welcome to another Fasten Like Nails podcast where we're igniting a renaissance of creative excellence that inspires us to know God intimately, proclaim Him passionately, and enjoy Him infinitely. And speaking of enjoying Him infinitely, we have with us Pastor <laughs> Professor Colin Smith. I don't know why Molly's laughing, but <laughs> Sorry. co-host Molly Mayo. Yes, hello. Glad to be here. Thank I you. Was- like we do enjoy Colin being here, but it was funny. It was in, we're enjoying him infinitely. Oh, enjoying him infinitely. <laughs> I didn't well, know that's it's a really hard to live no, no, up no. to. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, we get Colin. I'm not enjoying. I mean, I'd like uh, to enjoy you infinitely, but <laughs> we will eventually. Yeah, but we were just talking about Psalm 16. Is your favorite Psalm? Yeah, yeah, I love Psalm 16. Uh, Psalm 16 was uh, so formational in my uh, development as a Christian because it's the idea of. Um, the pleasures that are at God's right hand forevermore, mm. and that being the motivator for a lifelong pursuit of God. I think if I had to, I, I wish there was a way for a computer system to um, jot down which verses of the Bible I have quoted the most. I mm. think it might be Psalm 1611. Really? Mm. Yeah. I will make known unto thee the path of life. Mm. Yeah. In my presence is fullness of joy. At my right hand are pleasures forevermore. That was so formative beautiful. in my life as well. You know, just thinking about like God will make known unto me the path of life, mm-hmm. and He always has. It's been, it's been amazing. I mean, what a journey, Colin. Yeah. Praise Amen. God. Yeah, and 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 the joy and the you know the pleasures that you get with it. I've had so many pleasures of God. I mean, literally. I, I don't think I would want to change anything in my life other than maybe being a better dad and a better husband. I don't think I'd want to change anything. Just God has just brought me to places and experienced different things. What an amazing God. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's, Amen. It's kind of the difference between an immature Christian and a mature Christian. Mm-hmm. An immature Christian is always looking at the other side of the fence and thinking the fence is keeping them from all those mm-hmm. pleasures on the other side. Mm-hmm. A mature Christian realizes that that fence is keeping all that garbage out so they can enjoy <laughs> everything on this side of the fence. Mm-hmm. That's good. So totally That's good. what we've been talking about in Proverbs class with discerning and that, that age-old question, like, did God really say, like, questioning the goodness? And that's what the fence is. Yeah, because God— is good. That's one of the main tenets of the Christian faith. Yeah. If you can't believe that God is good, if he's keeping something from you, then you, when problems arise, conflict arises, you know, you're not going to be able to discern, you're not going to be able to have the stick to mm-hmm. the perseverance, you know, in a marriage, God is good. You know, he mm-hmm. works all things together for good. God keeps his promises. You know, hold on to those promises, those 8,767 <laughs> promises of God. Hold on to them. He mm-hmm. will deliver. I was reading this morning, you know, wait, wait on the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, he will, he will be strong and courageous. He will be with us. Yeah, we Amen. were just in that in class today. No way. We covered Psalm 62. Oh, it's in Psalm 27 as yep. well. Yeah, we were talking about waiting on the Lord. Wow. And uh, we, we read a passage of, uh, we read that as a psalm and we studied that, the idea that when you wait on God as your salvation, mm-hmm. you're looking to him to save you, not yourself. And what you're doing is you're letting him be the creator and the provider mm-hmm. and the sustainer that he's intended to be. And you are Ooh. being the creature you're intended to be. Ooh. Okay, so we're going to come to a um, moment of truth here. Mm. You ready? Yes. Molly. Oh, no. <laughs> Have you ever waited on the Lord and seen God come through like that? Yes. For sure. Good. Mm. Have you ever not waited on the Lord? Yes. <laughs> yes, I have. How about you, Colin? Yes, I have. I think one of the <clears throat> most interesting questions is we ask for things all the time, uh-huh. but how often do we respond to God? Mm. So how often do we ask and then we respond? 
Like, what, what do you mean? Like, Lord, please give me this thing. And when you don't get it, Lord, thank you for not giving me that thing. Mm-hmm. I must not have Whoa. needed that thing. Mm-hmm. Or, well, that's crazy. Yeah, so we don't have an ongoing conversation with God mm-hmm. where it's uh, you're waiting on him, and then when you don't get the answer you want, you're grateful. Wow, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I, I can look back on my life in the times when I did not wait on the Lord. Uh-huh. I mean, the times that I did wait on the Lord, it's, it's always miraculous. But the times mm-hmm. that I didn't <laughs> wait on the Lord and purposefully was like, okay, God, if you do not respond in such, you know, pretty soon, I'm going to have to take <laughs> matters in my own hands. Mm-hmm. And I can look back mm-hmm. on the 100% of the times that I took matters into my own hands. Mm-hmm. <sighs> What regret? <laughs> mm-hmm. What's well, interesting because in the book is First Samuel, um, you have this. You have someone who doesn't hear God and obey God, mm-hmm. doesn't have a relationship with God in Saul, and he's constantly going ahead and and and, mm-hmm. and acting on his own mm-hmm. when yeah. he should be waiting for Samuel for the sacrifice mm-hmm. and waiting for God, and then once. When, and then there's parts where he should be out there fighting, mm-hmm. but instead he lets Jonathan or David go out and fight for him. He seems to always be doing the opposite of what he's supposed to. Because he doesn't hear and obey. Mm-hmm. So there are times where, where Samuel's like, well, God is not, has God not told you to go do this? Mm-hmm. And hearing obeying is about knowing when God has commanded you to do something and just going and doing that. Mm-hmm. And also staying and waiting for him to, to wait for him is also about that. So it's all about obedience. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... That brings us to the opening remarks that we are in the fourth session yeah. of the book of Samuel that we're calling Shema'u'el. Shema'u'el. Yep. Mm-hmm. Shemuel is Shemuel. his name. Samuel. Shema <laughs> is to hear, and El is the generic name for God. God. Mm-hmm. So El or Shemuel <clears throat> is to be heard of God. Mm-hmm. And it's all about people who have a relationship with God, who communicate with God, and God hears them. And they hear God. They obey God, Mm -hmm. and God hears them, and he grants them Mm -hmm. um, kindly their request. So Hannah is in the very beginning of the story. story. She's childless. She's being berated by another woman that's married to her husband. He's got two wives, and the other woman has children, and she's making this girl, feel Hannah, feel terrible about her being barren. And then she comes before the Lord at the... um, in Shiloh, I believe it is. Yep, the house of the Lord. And Eli, the the priest prophet. Yeah, um, Eli is sort of a judge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not mentioned in the book of Judges. Mm-hmm. But uh, what it looks like is it looks like he's currently acknowledged as a judge mm-hmm. in the land. And he's got two sons who are wicked. And it, the, the, the text says in the beginning, the word of the Lord... The word of Yahweh was rare in those days. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. Which sets the stage for this entire book of Samuel. Yeah, and especially for the chapter. You know, um, that that the chapter that I think we're on now, the, the Lord sets the stage for the chapter because you're going to see bookends. Mm. Beginning, you see the public crisis. The public crisis confronting Israel is that they have Eli— who himself is a very confusing character like Saul. Mm-hmm. He appears to be godly at times, appears to not be. But the fact of the matter is, is Eli is a judge in the land, but it says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Mm. Revelation. So what it is, is that's the public problem confronting the nation. Mm-hmm. Now, the private problem is Eli and his sons. And so, and, and also a private problem that's 
in the beginning of that chapter, what chapter are we on? I think we're on four, right? It mm-hmm. was, uh, three is the one three. with the with, Yeah, rare. so the, the other problem is a private crisis. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes in stories, good stories, mm-hmm. um, the Bible started this and the world imitates it. Mm. Uh, but the Bible tells stories, it'll present a public crisis. Mm. And then it'll present a private crisis, a character flaw in a person. And until that person resolves that character flaw inside of them, they can't resolve the public crisis. Mm. In the book of Samuel, for instance, you have a story about David and Saul's after him. Well, that's the public crisis, mm-hmm. that Saul is wicked and, and David is, 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 is after him. But the private crisis is seen because David's wife, McCall, has idols in her house. And so God takes David out of that house he, he, he brings him to the Philistines where he has to feign madness. He has to leave that house, get his house in order, reorganize everything. And the next time you see McCall and David and she's looking out the window at him, he's dancing in front of the ark. And she's mocking him. And she's mocking him. He's bringing true worship mm-hmm. to the city. And he's learned to worship God mm-hmm. and revel in only God, Jehovah God. And she's there mocking him. But that whole process is about God removing the idols from David's house and setting him in a different way, setting him up to be the king that God wanted him to be. So in Samuel, the crisis is Samuel is a boy. That's his private crisis. He's a boy and he needs to grow up Mm -hmm. and he needs to be a man and he needs to mature in order that Israel can have that prophet to speak. Mm -hmm. And so uh, chapter three is really a coming of age story. It's a crossing a threshold, you know, in a, in, in Hebrew culture, and even today, Jews will do this. They have a bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. And the thing that makes you a man of the bar mitzvah is reading the Torah out loud. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. At the moment you read the Torah out loud at the bar mitzvah, it's a coming of age. You're now a man. The mm-hmm. whole thing? Uh, no, you would read the Usually, it's traditionally it's the first chapter of Genesis. Okay. Okay. Um, but you'll memorize it, and you'll have them read from the Hebrew out loud. Wow. Words have power. God is a God of words. And so, um, in this chapter three, that's this is going to be Samuel's bar mitzvah. He needs to speak the word of the Lord in order to be a man. And it's interesting; it's not enough to hear God's words; you have to speak them mm. to be a man. Mm. Wow, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? Like in today's culture, you don't have a lot of young people speaking the word of God. You, they might go to church and listen to the word of God, mm. listen to it half-heartedly. But once they leave that church building, once they leave the sanctity of the Christian influence and community, mm-hmm. yeah. they're out with their friends. There's not a lot of speaking the word of God anymore. And Colin yeah. and Molly, I was just listening to a young lady. In fact, that's the young lady who's our engineer today. Mm-hmm. Um, she was telling me the story that when she brought a friend to her youth group, mm-hmm. and they were using all kinds of foul language, and mm-hmm. and it was she was horrified because it's like. I, what in the world? This is, doesn't represent Christ at, at all. But these kids were on their own, unchaperoned, and they were just kind of let loose. And that is always what happens in groups. It happens in the church. Mm-hmm. You know, when when light is not speaking forth the word of God, because mm-hmm. the word of God has power in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When the word of God stops, when it ceases its influence, mm-hmm. when we stop the influence of the word of God, then that the other influence is going to take up that space. Mm-hmm. It, it happens quickly. I've, I've, I've watched it for 43 years now, and that's why it's essential that those of us that know the word continually speak it. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, it, but, but, and this is the key, you can't just speak it. 
Mm-hmm. You have to speak it with reverence and awe, with excitement yeah. and insight. Like you're learning something mm-hmm. new because when you share something that is significantly new and true that has changed you, mm-hmm. it then has influence to change other people. Yeah. Yes. You've got to live it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And in the case of Samuel, um, I mean, it's filled with drama. Chapter three is so much drama. Mm-hmm. But what's fascinating to me is that here's a little boy mm-hmm. in a tabernacle and an old man who is a father figure to him. Mm-hmm. And all of history is turning on this relationship. Wow. That's crazy. If Samuel doesn't do this, he's not a prophet. He's not anointing David, house of David, all of this. So the things that we see as wow. insignificant acts of small acts mm. of obedience uh-huh. that are difficult for us they're part of a larger picture a larger redemptive history that God is weaving that we have no idea how important then is it for our children even children that mom and dad is listening to this right now a grandparent is listening to this right now sometimes we don't consider the significance mm. of what a child might be hearing i just got a letter this morning from a parent who was here this summer mm. Um, they were traveling through, and I did the whole Teddy Button experience with yeah. um, Teddy and Bully. And so here, here at our facility, in this um, the beautiful church facility we, we have here, hidden behind one of the panels of the organ, I don't know if you know what's there, but I have a mirror behind the panel. Oh. And then we always tell the kids that Bully, we've got this notorious Bully, we've got him chained inside here, and we keep him locked up. <laughs> and so, and then we'll go over to this panel. It's like a door. It's like a, a hidden door. We'll go over to it, and I'll I'll shake it like, stay, oh, stay in there. Don't 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 let him out. You know, hold him, Sarah. Hold him back. Hold him back. And because uh, I tell the kids like, we're gonna unlock it, but be really careful because he can come out. And if he comes out, you're gonna have the most important thing. If he comes out, is do not run. You know, so yeah. these kids are standing there, and, and so I literally, we had four kids, you know, and, and one kid goes, I'm not, he's, he goes in the back, get it back over here, you know, he goes, uh-uh, you know, and, and so another kid's there, and, and, and I'm shaking the door, vibrant, and he's vibrating, I'm like, hold on, hold on to him, Sarah, I'll keep him back, okay, you guys ready? And I'll go, one, two, and then I'll oh, get ready to open the door, another kid goes to the back, and I'm like, get over here, you know, you scaredy cat, I said, you gotta, you gotta stand, stand your ground, don't give in. And then all of a sudden, you know, the kids are there, and I'm like, okay, I'll tell you what. You guys are keep walking away. Get on your knees. And I'll get them up there on their knees now because now they can't move anymore. And I'll open that door real quickly, and they're, they're getting ready to run on their knees. And they look, and look like they're looking, in, they're looking at a mirror, and they're looking at themselves. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going like, hey, guys, your greatest enemy is yourself, yep. but you need to fight others with love. And so this morning I get this email mm-hmm. in this this little boy that was here this summer, mm-hmm. he's been telling all his friends uh, and, and <laughs> dramatizing the bully with the mirror. Isn't That's that so cool? Sweet. That's so sweet. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so interesting because bully is, is in this, in Teddy's button, is such a fascinating character because bully is the enemy and bully is us. Uh-huh. You know, it's like the old Pogo cartoon. I've met the enemy and it's us. <laughs> <laughs> and when we start to think of ourselves and what our flesh desires... You know, all the things on the other side of the fence that are tempting. Mm-hmm. We start to resent God because we think that fence is keeping us. That fence of his laws and his commands is keeping us from all those good things. Mm-hmm. But what God says is, no, that's keeping all the bad things out. Mm-hmm. And it's all the good things are on this side of the fence. And, and that's the thing about following God. When you start to mature, you realize that the key to true joy is obedience. Mm-hmm. 
And as an unbeliever, as a person who's caught in this world, in the flesh, all you can think of is all the fun is in disobeying the commands, breaking them. Mm. And you don't realize how destructive that is and how that's your worst enemy. That's mm. you destroying your life mm -hmm. and how God has lovingly put this, this hedge around us of thorns to protect us from mm. all those things. And he's, he's said to us, no, obedience is joy. True joy is found in obedience. So that was, reminds me, folks, if you're listening to this and you have children or grandchildren, there is a book called The Hedge of Thorns. It is based on a true story. It is one of the most profound theological books for children, teens, and adults dealing with that, that idea, you know, God placing a hedge of thorns about our lives. And when we cross the boundaries that God sets for us, we can harm ourselves and those that we love. Mm. And, you know, we're living in a day, Colin, when people are destroying their lives, thinking that their, you know, that their, their mm. goal in life is to break more rules to get away with it. They're, they're trying to overthrow the, you know, the government, the Constitution, whatever is happening today. Yeah. But they're actually destroying their lives. Their eternal lives is what they're destroying. Yeah. I mean, this time we're in— uh, it's when you're it's kind of reminds me of the book of Genesis where men throw off all restraints mm -hmm. and he just gave in to his heart. And that whole that the worst advice you can ever have is Napoleon Dynamite, follow your heart. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the worst advice. Because mm -hmm. your heart's wicked and deceitful above all things. Mm -hmm. Who can know, can it? know it? Um so yeah, we're in a time where people are throwing off all restraints. Um they're 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 going the direction of their wicked hearts. Mm -hmm. And we see the usually that the result of that in the time of Noah was, was God saying, I, I'm done. This has come to an end. Now I'm going to do something new. And I think that's kind of where we're going. Um, and that's where Samuel, we find Samuel. Yeah. Samuel is in a place where the leadership, Eli, his sons were wicked. The yeah. word of God is rare in those days. It's, mm -hmm. not being, it's not being revealed. I think it's not being revealed both publicly and privately. It's not being yeah. revealed in the public realm on the streets. It's well, not being talked about anymore. Well, just imagine this. Imagine you go to church, you know, you drive up to your church, you park in the parking lot and you get out and the pastor and the head deacon are there and they say, give us your wallet. And you say, <laughs> no. And they say, we're tithing. You say, well, my tithe goes in the, the offering plate. And they punch you in the stomach and what? take your wallet and then stomp back inside. That's what Eli's two and sons were doing. That's what Eli's two sons were doing. That's yeah. horrible. And imagine all the women hanging out at your church are women you would see at a bar or a nightclub. And they're all sitting there smoking their cigarettes, partying. And this is this is the house of the Lord. This is the state in which the house of the Lord was in. So it was an absolute disarray. Mm -hmm. And the key to it is there was no widespread vision in that day. And God is going to solve that problem. And in order to do it, Samuel, he's going to work in this little boy. Because mm -hmm. God usually works the most unexpected ways. Mm -hmm. And he uses the little things to humble mm -hmm. the proud. So that's what we were talking about earlier. Parents and grandparents who are listening to this, we cannot, um, we cannot think lightly of our little children hearing the messages that God presents to us in His Word, in a Lampeter Theater drama, or in you know the spoken word, or in a book. You know, children children respond to these. They listen to these things. And when they respond to these things, God might be calling them just like he is calling Samuel. In fact, yeah. what does God say? Samuel, right? He calls Shemuel. Yeah, yeah so, so he calls out to Samuel. He calls, and Samuel, um, we always put the emphasis on Samuel saying, here I am, here I am. But he's calling out to Samuel, and Samuel is laying down, and Eli is laying down. The only one standing up is the Lord. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see 
that lay down, lay down theme is going to be throughout the whole thing. In the end, Samuel's, Samuel is standing right up speaking for the mm, Lord. Interesting. And the whole turning point of the story is, is Samuel goes and he he, the Lord tells him, you know, a prophecy. He tells him about Eli's wickedness and the condemnation. And Samuel goes back and he doesn't want to tell his father figure. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to tell Eli. He's scared. Mm-hmm. He's, and he, try, he goes back to sleep and lays down again. And you think, what? this is tragic. This little boy has to stand up. And then Eli comes the next day, and Samuel's not going to tell him. And Eli mm-hmm. says something very, very mm-hmm. important. If you don't tell me everything. If you don't tell me everything from beginning to end, that much more will happen to mm-hmm. you. So he told him. And he stood up and he told him and he prophesied. And can you imagine how difficult it is for a little child growing up in this house of horrible things? And Eli here is his father figure, and he's got to speak prophetic word of condemnation against his father figure. He has to choose God over his family, the one thing Eli was unable to do as an adult. Oh, wow. Whoa. And he's got to choose God first mm-hmm. in his Whoa, home. Whoa, I never thought of that. Eli was choosing his family. He was unwilling to yeah. discipline his and kids, you know, wicked kids. And you know the key to it was? Hmm. His mother chose God first and, and was submitted to her promise and honored her promise mm. of letting him go. Of letting him go. Whoa, goosebumps. <laughs> That's crazy. He learned from his mother. Oh, and boy, listeners, this is so essential. So much we want our children to be healed. We want our children to be saved. So much really is, and I don't, I'm not saying this in a salvific way, but so much really is dependent upon us, the pattern that we set for our kids, mm. our faithfulness, our repentance. Um, I was thinking of, um, the father in Mark chapter 9 brings his son to be healed by Jesus, and the apostles couldn't heal him. And, you know, the, Jesus looks at the people, looks at the father, looks at the disciples, and he says three times, how, this is the first thing he says, how long am I going to put up with you? Yeah. How long am I going to be with you? Yeah. How long has this been happening? Yeah. You know, and so we have these same problems that occur in our family over and over and over again. Yeah. And those three questions have to be asked, answered. How long am I going to, you know, it's really something. Jesus asked, how long am I going to put up with you? I mean, (laughs) you know, right? I think we've all been there. Yeah. How long am I going to put up with you? How long am I going to be with you? How long has this been happening? And the father says, this has been happening since he was a little little baby. In in other words, Jesus is saying like, why is this still going on? You know? And so then the father says, Lord, if you can just do anything, have compassion on me and have mercy. Um, And Jesus says, Three amazing words. If you can. Yeah. That's all it says. If you can. And then it says, if you can believe, I can do anything. You see, the man asked Jesus, if you can do anything. And Jesus asked the man, if you can believe, I can do anything. And that's really the key to seeing our family being healed. God yeah. wants us to come to repentance and make the – he wants us to start hearing and obeying so that he can do, act on behalf of our family. Absolutely. When you see the two family structures, uh, Eli's house and you mm. see the house of Samuel, um, in Eli's house, the children were running the house. Mm-hmm. His sons were running the house. He wouldn't – he heard what they were doing, but he didn't do anything about it. He heard what they were doing, but he didn't – hear God and obey his word and tell his sons, that's it, you're done. Okay. Tell but then you have, you have Elkanah who hears a promise secondhand and says, no, I'm going to put my foot down as a father of the house. He tells, he tells his wife, 
Mm-hmm. We're going to keep our promises and our oath to God in this house. Mm. She keeps it, and she does something that's so counter to a mother's protective nature. She puts her mm. little boy into this dangerous scenario with these wicked men in this wicked house, not knowing that God is going to use this to change the entire history of Israel and the course of history. And she obeys and hears, but Elkanah is the one who said, my house, we keep our promises. That's the way a father does. He protects yeah. and he guides and he, and he doesn't rule over like tyrant, but the father's job is to protect and to mm-hmm. guide and to say, this is the way things are in our house. We follow the Bible. Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm going to bring this kind of personal. You ready? Yes. You're a father of how many? Five kids. Mm. Five kids, one wife. One wife. <laughs> how do you do this practically in your own home? So in our own home, um, one big thing is after the pandemic, going back to church. We will go to church. Hmm. We're not going to continue to, you know, blow, blow off church or maybe watch, you know, a YouTube video just to get out of it. We're going to go to church. Mm-hmm. We're going to be involved in church. We're going we're gonna to dig in and we're going to meet people and we're going to get involved in their lives and we're going to do this. Hmm. Good so for you. one of the big things that people abdicate is men will abdicate, abdicate their responsibility. Video games, um, movies, entertainment, and they won't step up and be the man. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they'll blame women. You know, they'll say, well, my wife is over-controlling. She's domineering, so I just go and play video games. No. You tell her to stop. You tell her what your role is, and you do your role. And there's going to be sparks at times. Mm -hmm. But that's part of (laughs) biblical manhood. Biblical manhood is about knowing, knowing that God has not put you in a position as a demigod, but he's given you a role to play as a protector and a provider. You need to work to provide for your family. You need to do what you need to do to provide for them, and you need to protect them even from themselves sometimes, which is, I think, why Elkanah says to Hannah, no, you can, until the boy's weaned, you can have him in our house, but we're going to keep our promises to God in this house. And that's in a major moment because God is using a godly father, Elkanah, mm-hmm. and a submissive wife, Hannah, to do something that's very difficult and put little Samuel into this home but that's ultimately going to lead to Samuel becoming the man he is because he's, he's from a godly home and he's a godly example. Hmm. So, like, I've heard this story before, and I've never heard it like that. This is really beautiful. But, like, one thing that's really standing out is that you can just see God's hand on Samuel because even with his parents having that hard decision to make, yeah. Hannah, who was, like, the godly influence, her husband, you know, he stood up and he was the one who pointed her on the way. But then even when God told Samuel what to do, and he had to say this really hard thing to Eli. Eli was the one who came to Samuel. It wasn't like he just kind of sat there and like lived his whole life not telling him. Like God still presented opportunities for him to do the right thing. Yes. And that was just, that's crazy because he, he does that in our own lives where, you know, maybe you don't want to say something or you have conviction in a certain area and God will present opportunities for that, yeah. even if it may not be you going to them, like Samuel going to Eli and being like, hey, Eli, guess what I heard? Like, yeah. like Joseph with his dreams. Yeah. And him, Samuel, the beautiful thing is he hears and he obeys and he mm-hmm. does something extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the passage, it says there was a prophet in the land mm-hmm. and the problem is solved. Wow. Samuel, be, after that point, <clears throat> the public crisis uh, is solved. There is, a pro- there is a prophet in the land speaking for God and it's because of the private crisis. And we can't ignore... The private crisis is in our own lives, the problems that God is causing, causing us to solve. Because solving those problems leads to, to bigger problems being solved. So this was 
really the steps that were essential for Samuel to go from childhood to adulthood. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like what Robert Lewis said in his book, Raising a Modern Day Knight. And if you haven't read that, that's a must book to read. He writes in it, there are seven steps of biblical manhood, a will to obey, a work to do, then a woman to love. Um, most young people today, I see them at our college. I see them <clears throat> you know, in homeschool circles. They bypass the will to obey. They live. We live in a um, victimization. People become victims and so they don't feel like they want to submit to authority or they feel like they've got it. What's it called when they feel like they've got Entitled. it coming to them? What is it? Entitlement. Entitlement mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, so they lose that first step of a will to obey. It's so important. Humility, mm-hmm. submitting to authority, seeing what God is going to teach you through other people over you. Yeah. After submitting a will to obey, then there's a work to do. Then God opens the work to do, you know, and then mm-hmm. they can start, you know, cultivating their careers. Yeah. And then they can provide for the woman to love. But then after that, then a real man of God rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads courageously, and then expects the greater reward for doing so. You know, I was as I was listening to you, Colin, especially with your remarks on what you were doing as a family privately, going back to church, you're going to be involved in people's lives. Mm-hmm that the the unity between you and your wife of making decisions together, we, we're now entering a new era in our culture, and it's mm-hmm. the pandemic culture. It's the mask mandate culture. It's the vaccine mandate culture. <clears throat> and um, I'm in the midst of dealing with a lot of different kinds of people asking me for, you know, what my recommendation is. And I try not, I try to just let them, let the word speak for itself. Mm-hmm. What does God say? Yep. You know, I don't want them to know what Mark Hamby thinks because everyone make, has to make their own decisions in these areas. Mm-hmm. But, um, I had a letter come to me, an email come to me, uh, a, a lady that I knew and she's, uh, she loves Jesus and, and she's the most unlikely person to get the vaccine. And, and, and I'm not, pro-vaccine. I'm not um, anti-vaccine. I'm just, I'm just living. I believe that God, um, for me, I have natural antibodies. I've already been sick and, and praise God, I've been working with people with COVID and I haven't gotten sick again. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, God, I'm, I'm just trusting God. He, his, mm-hmm. My life is in his hands. <clears throat> but, well, I shouldn't say but, and um, <laughs> this this um, this is dividing families right now, mm. and especially husbands and wives. Mm. And this lady that I know, she just got married a couple years ago, and she's been a missionary, and she supports missionaries. And her her and her husband are missionaries in Africa. And um, for some reason, her husband told her that he really felt that he should get vaccinated, mm-hmm. and he wanted them both to get vaccinated. So they they began praying for weeks, you know, what God wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. And um, she was – she didn't want to be vaccinated, but she was willing to follow her husband's lead. Mm-hmm. And I think you mentioned something like you would do you, – if, if your wife really felt it was important, you were willing to well, – there's, there's limits to what right. I would do. I wouldn't sin, but I think there's decisions that are family decisions and health decisions. Exactly. And, you know, you can't say that your health decisions don't affect people around you. Right. But I've seen people who have been alcoholics for years who have made poor decisions with their health – tell people they're responsible for not taking the vaccine when they've been irresponsibly drinking for years. I know. You know, and they're like, well, your decisions for your health affect everyone else. And it's like, well, what's that with drinking and drugs don't affect your health? So I think there are decisions, but I think for me, the key to it is is it's A, it's a very private thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't think it should be something that's made public. 
<clears throat> um, it's a private thing, mm-hmm. like any medical thing. And I do think a husband and wife should talk about these things. And pray it through. And they should pray about it, and they should consider their children, the example they're setting for their kids. Absolutely. And the spirit in which they do it should be a spirit of confidence yes, and not a spirit of fear. So this couple, they they um, they prayed right to the morning they're going to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And so they, they get there, and they prayed, Lord, if you, want, if you want to close this door, then somehow, Jesus, you close this door. And so they get there, and the husband, they go through all the things, and— and it happens to be a Christian nurse. Now, this yeah. is in Africa. Oh, my. Yeah. And uh, the uh, the Christian nurse looks at him and says, you seem very healthy, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm going to pray for you that whatever I'm putting into your body doesn't harm you. Mm-hmm. And and he was like thinking like, uh, maybe this is God's sign that I shouldn't go through with this. But he went through with it. Mm-hmm. She gets asked the, some questions and they find out that she's had a cold like a week earlier. Mm-hmm. And that was a check mark, and they're like, "We don't think you should be vaccinated." And she says, "Praise God, you know." So here they ended with him being vaccinated, her not being vaccinated. Wow, you know. But they prayed about it for several months leading up to it. I'm dealing with another couple right now, where the husband went ahead and got vaccinated without any knowledge of his wife. Yeah, and it's causing such internal strife, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. a lack of trust. Yeah, you know. Well, well that lack of trust. So. So, so the amazing thing about all of this is mm-hmm. that we have a God who's bigger than all of this. Yeah. And he's got a plan. And he's already worked it out. Mm-hmm. So we have confidence in our God. This reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. It says, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Now, ladies are listening to me. They're going, like, what in the world does that have to do with what you're talking about? It has everything to do with it. In this day in which there may be a lack of agreement, you know, where maybe the wife doesn't trust the husband, the husband doesn't trust the wife, where there's conflict mm-hmm. right now, and the children are bearing the, the brunt of the conflict. Yeah. So one of the most difficult tasks is if your husband, like Abigail, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to be talking about her in a little, in the next podcast, we're going to yeah. talk about Abigail. Um, she had a foolish husband. In fact, his name, Nabal or Nabal, means what? Fool. Means Fool. Fool. So stupid one. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine your parents giving you that name? I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> now, maybe they saw the way he was behaving. They changed his name maybe to Maybe they didn't know. They just liked the name. You know, I think your buddies sometimes give you names too. Oh, yeah. So he maybe his friends. Well, okay. So this passage in Peter, in this day and age in which we live, there's, um, there's difficult. There's difficulty in families. There's conflict, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. with the whole you know, Democrat, Republican, mandates, no mandates, vaccines, no, no. Those things aren't th- – those are, those are distractions. Those are detours mm-hmm. of the Christian life. And so this is, this is what it says. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Uh, the word subjection is the word hupotasso. I, I heard it once hupotasso. by a Greek scholar. What's that? Hupotasso. Hupotasso. It, so a Greek scholar once told me it's not only to place yourself under, mm-hmm. but it's to place yourself under in order to lift up. Mm-hmm. I, love, I love that idea. It's, uh, it's serving in order to benefit other people. That's beautiful. It is beautiful. That's what Jesus did. You know, he surrendered to the will of his father. I came to do the will of my father. Mm. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Mm. You know, it's, it's amazing. You know, and that's what this life is. This life, our marriages, it's all preparation for eternal life. Mm. You know, we're, we're experiencing eternal life right now. This is just the beginning. This is the introduction. Yeah. You know, we're preparing for what, uh, is, what we're going to be enjoying forever and ever. And I mm. think 
there's some people that are going to lose a lot of opportunity in the in the kingdom of God. Not in a how do I say this, Colin? Not in a sense of of um, punishment, but in a sense of loss of reward. Yeah, you know. Yeah, a sense of um, they're not going to lose their salvation, but what they will lose is an opportunity to bring glory to God, mm, ooh, which is one of the one of the saddest things and one of the happiest moments for those that do it yes you know when you get to present your trophies before god and you you, when you're standing there and you're like you did this for god and god gets glory and god takes pleasure Mm -hmm. in what we did for him and it's like thank you you know god taking pleasure in what we did for him and in a sense he helped us do it yeah. But we did it with the right heart. And, boy, there's nothing greater than that. Can you imagine, like, a, at a football game, I'm, I'm, I'm winning this game for my dad. Yeah. You know, and you, you run all the way to the end in the goal, and you look up. Did you ever see a football player at the very end? He points his fingers up to heaven. Yeah. You know, I, I, this is for you, Lord. Yeah. You know? well, I mean, what kind of uh, fool wouldn't trade something that lasts forever for something that you can't hold on to? Mm-hmm. I mean, life, you can't hold on to it. And what kind of a fool would trade something they can't hold on to their own life? Who wouldn't trade that for something eternal like God's glory? Molly, you're 21. Mm-hmm. I'm 65. Mm-hmm. Live your life for eternal, for, with an eternal perspective. Mm-hmm. Get rid of all the things you are, you can't hold on to and you can't bring with you. Mm-hmm. Focus on the things that you can bring with you. That's going to be the key mm-hmm. because yeah. you'll never you'll never be sorry about what you left behind. Yeah. Because you can't take it with you. Time is a currency God gives you to invest. Oh, you can, cool. You can take people with you. What? You can take people with you. In, Eternity? Yes. Invest in people's souls. Yeah. Invest in people's lives. Make them richer with mm-hmm. the word of God. Bring them to Christ. You know, we can take souls with us. Yeah. Time is, 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 is a currency God gives you. And the choice is, are you going to invest it in something eternal? Or are you going to waste it on something that will be temporal? I can't believe you just mm-hmm. said this because... This this is one of these commercial moments. Mm-hmm. We're just printing a book this week called Crown of Success, where the main premise of the book is that time is money. Yeah. It's so it's one of the most amazing stories we've ever printed, so I'm really excited about it. And mm. those of you that haven't are reading Lamplighter books, go to lamplighter.net. It, that's, yeah. These are books, by the way, those that are listening to this podcast, we are pr- producing, publishing books from the 1700s, 1800s, mm-hmm. reprinting them, rewriting them so that your children can be surrounded with virtuous thinking, godly characters, heroic characters, courageous mm-hmm. characters mm-hmm. that your children can follow. So that's what we do here at Lamplighter. We reproduce these stories, these books. And Hedge of Thorns was one I mentioned earlier. This one's called Crown of Success. Our very best book ever is Teddy's Button for young children, 9 to 14 or 9 to 12 maybe. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And an amazing story is um, for junior high rebellious kids is called Hand on the Bridle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the very first book we printed was Basket of Flowers. I can keep going on and on. Mm-hmm. Molly, what's your favorite book? Palace of Deceit. Ooh, that's that one of my, my favorites favorite. too. Yeah. Palace of Deceit. So go to lamplighter.net, get the catalog, look at these things. I know this sounds like a commercial. It is. It is, yeah. <laughs> because it's so important to us. I We're... we're we're a part of this ministry because we believe that it is changing lives and preparing them for eternity. Let me get back yeah. to this text in Peter. And, this, the, and I now, believe this, back to our main <laughs> section. This is a great concluding, state, <gasps> concluding passage because <clears throat> it helps put things in perspective of what we're living for. So this uh-huh. idea of why wives, hupotasso, 
being subjection to your husbands, being placing yourself under willingly in order to lift up, mm. that if any obey husbands, if the husbands obey not the word, they may also without the word, the wives, be one, the husbands be one by the conversation or the behavior of the wives. While they behold mm-hmm. your chaste conversation, and this word chaste is interesting, it's the word modest, clean, and pure. How beautiful. Isn't it? Pure. While they behold your modest and pure behavior with fear. Mm. And that word fear. They observe with fear or they do the things with fear? What does oh, that mean? Oh, that's very interesting. Do you want me to, you want to comment you, on it? You you go ahead. Yeah. Okay, you ready for this? Okay, it, the idea of fear is in context of what's being said next. So what, what, are, they, what are they afraid of? They're not afraid of their husbands. Um, what is the idea as they behold, as the husbands behold their chaste conversations with fear? It's a reverential fear of God in their lives. They're going to fear God rather than man. Mm. Yeah. And they we're going to talk about he's going to bring into Sarah as an illustration mm. of what this fear is all about. It says, who's adorning? Let it not be the outward adorning mm-hmm. of plating of hair and of weaving of gold and putting on of apparel. Not, not your clothing, not your makeup. But the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, of a meek and quiet spirit. And that, that word meekness, I love that word. It's, it's the idea of humble. It's also the word of a mild strength. I like to call it velvet steel. A quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, of great price. Um, what's, the, what's the passage in, in the Gospels where it talks about the pearl of great price? Mm-hmm. God now parallels that that phrase with a woman that has a meek and quiet spirit subjecting herself to her husband in fear. What kind of fear? The fear of God. Watch Mm -hmm. this. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection to their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well and are not, guess what? Not afraid with any amazement or any alarm. They're going to trust God right to the bitter end or right to the glorious end. Mm. They're going to trust God in in the middle of all of this stuff, just like Moses's mother did what? Placed him in the water, mm-hmm. you know, and was and j- just what Hannah did with little Samuel, yeah. placing them in the hands of Colin, I don't think I could ever do that. Eli the priest and his two sons. How in the world, Molly, can mm-hmm. you give up your firstborn son and give him to this ungodly priest, this fat ungodly priest who's got these two wicked sons mm-hmm. who are stealing from the people, committing all kinds of sexual sins, and you're going to place your son in that environment? Well, I mean, I'm not in that situation, so I, I mean... We're pretending. What I'm pretending right now... If I really made a vow to God, I would be so terrified of Afraid? not fulfilling that. I, it, it's horrifying. Like Jonah. Wait, wait. And, did, like, I, want you, God, I want you to hear what you just said. You'd be what? Terrified. Just as Sarah yeah. and all the other women in those situations, they're, they're, it's more important for them to fear God mm-hmm. than to fear man. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's where we are today. That's what. That's how Hannah. Yeah, the key to obedience is being is is knowing that 
your obedience is first and foremost obedience to God. Mm-hmm. And so when someone has a rebellious heart against authorities, you have to say, are you rebelling against those authorities or are you rebelling against the authority God placed over you? Oh. So what does God give when you do it for God? What does God give you? Grace and joy, peace. Yeah. There's a joy. huge sense yeah. of peace. Yeah, yeah, peace and joy. Yeah, and that's—I mean—that's so important that that you have to understand. Hannah is obeying God. Yeah, and she's keeping her vow she made with God. And mm-hmm. that when when you obey someone that you've God has put you under like a husband, you're obeying God. Mm-hmm. And that's why your adornment is to be beautiful in the sight of God, not mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. And you're adorning yourself to be beautiful to God. Mm-hmm. And the things that are beautiful to God are not the things that are beautiful to men. It's not gold and hair, mm-hmm. which the Romans were all into. It's an inward disposition. It's the beautiful things on the inside Mm -hmm. because that's what we learn in Samuel. God looks on the inside where man looks on the outside. Mm. Hearing, obeying, and loving God more more than obeying man. And get this. Mm -hmm. Saul looked great on the outside. But the difference between Saul and David, God says it. He says, I'm going to have a man after my own heart. Mm -hmm. And you you know what that means? Get this. What's the only character quality that God describes himself as when he comes to earth in the form of Jesus? Meek. Meek and humble. And that's what David is. He's meek and humble, and that's the key to obedience. Whoa. Wow. That's how David is a man after God's own heart. Oh, whoa. He's meek and humble. Okay, as we bring this to a close, define meek and humble. Jesus. It's to have a proper view of Jesus. Yeah, perfect (laughs) definition. But it's to have a proper view of God and man Mm. and to live in light of that. Mm. This is God's place. This is man's place. And meekness and humility leads to obedience and joy. Submission, putting yourself under, leads to being raised up. Oh, wow. That is a really great ending. Thank you for listening to another Fasten Like Nails podcast here with Professor Colin Smith, Mm. co-host Molly Mayo. Engineer today is Emily. Mm-hmm. Emily, thanks for being with us today and helping us. And we'll look forward to doing this again at another Fasten Like Nails podcast where we're inspiring others to know God intimately, proclaim Him passionately, and enjoy Him infinitely. God bless. Join us for an interactive mystery dinner theater hosted by Lamplighter Ministries at 27 State Street, Mount Morris, New York. Enjoy dinner and a show as actors and guests alike try to solve The Secret on State Street. Performance dates include November 26th and 27th, December 3rd and 4th, and December 9th and 10th. Doors open at 5.30 p.m. each evening. Reserve your seat today at lamplighter.net or call 1-888-THE-LETTER-A-GOSPEL. Join us for a world-class musical stage performance, the retelling of John Bunyan's classic, Pilgrim's Progress. Join Christian on his journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city, encountering life's trials along the way with the king always by his side. Watch the physical world and the spiritual world collide on the stage through music and dance as this captivating show draws audiences to think about the deeper questions of life. Hosted by Lamplighter Ministries at 66 Stanley Street, Mount Morris, New York, November 11th through the 14th. Admission is free, reservations required. Visit lamplighter.net or call 1-888-246-7735. Again, that's 1-888-the-letter-A-Gospel.